0: We meet each Sunday to let the liturgy shape us, to hear preaching, and to take the Lord's Supper. And these acts are more robust when done together. Join us Sunday evenings at five PM in downtown Winston-Salem at six hundred Holly Avenue. Y'all good? And then all the way over there. Can y'all hear me over there? So so? Okay. I'll try to speak really loudly. Um, our scripture passage for this evening is from the book of Romans, and it's the last verses of chapter eight. So um, if you have a phone with the book of Romans, uh, with a Bible app, or if you have a Bible with you, uh, either turn there or click there. This is from the New Living Translation, but if you have a different translation, it's always interesting to compare. So this is Romans 8, 31 through 38. And I usually ask people to stand, but I won't do that. Um, This is the word of God. Uh, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. That's not good. I'm probably the only person that needs to raise it that high. (laughs) It would fall off. Okay, so. I'll go back to 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are being killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us. From God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the Word of God for the people of God and you say thanks be to God. Okay well um, these verses many of you know um, if you are a believer then You may have memorized these verses. They're some of the most famous verses in the Bible. They're um, verses that I repeat uh, at every prayer meeting as an assurance of pardon. And um, the reason that they're so um, often memorized and so beloved and so cherished is because they offer us such assurance of love. Uh, They tell us that love will never end. And we doubt that all the time. And so God just keeps saying it over and over and over that nothing can separate us from love himself. Verse 39, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you might be fearing uh, that people don't love you. You know, especially if you're new in college or maybe even your high school, Uh, your elementary school, if if you're new to a situation, there's always that lack of assurance that people love you. Um, There's this assurance uh, that kind of gets drained away, that even your friends love you, sometimes even your spouse or your children. uh, We doubt the love of so many different people. It's one of our biggest problems as human beings is that we doubt people's love for us. And yet God says to to us here that that nothing can separate you from His love. Uh, even if other people really don't love you, then you can be assured that He does love you. And nothing you could do could ever cause you to lose that love. Because once love is overtaking you, um, there's no way that you can be taken out of it. You're just completely enveloped by it. You're surrounded by it. It's endless. Uh, sometimes people call this the uh, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints or the preservation of the saints. Sometimes people call this once saved, always saved. But this is the most powerful expression of that idea, that once you are loved by God, once you have that knowledge of his love, there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from them. And yet there are all sorts of powers in the world. I sometimes call these powers combine the empire, Uh, the Bible sometimes calls it the world, Um, it calls it the principalities, the powers, Satan, whatever you want to call it, Uh, these powers try to separate us from love. And so a lot of times people miss this, but in this passage there aren't just two people, there aren't just two actors, it's not just God and humans, there's a third actor as well. Uh, God, humans, and then there's also the accuser. And the accuser is very much alive and well in this passage. Um, Paul says, who shall accuse us? Who shall condemn us? He's talking to someone there. He is actually taunting all the powers of accusation. And he's saying that nothing can accuse us. No one can condemn us. Nobody can separate us from God's love. So I want to look at those two things. First of all, the fact that there are these powers that try to separate you from love. And then second, that the power of God's love is greater than those powers. So those two things. Uh, First of all, the powers of lovelessness. As I said, Paul is arguing with someone throughout this, or maybe some people, uh, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of this dark world. Uh, He says in 31, who can separate us? Who can uh, accuse us in verse 33? Who can be against us? And. The answer is, in verse 38, the angels, the demons, the powers of hell, they do accuse us. They do try to separate us. I think of it like the, um, the Dementors. If you've seen um, the Harry Potter movies or if you've read Harry Potter, uh, these Dementors that uh, fly around Azkaban, they're like wraiths. Uh, they're these dark, hideous creatures that uh, they suck happiness out of people. They torment people. They generate depression and despair. Uh, J.K. Rowling is a genius for images, and that is a great image of the way that the powers try to inject lovelessness into our lives. I mean, it, it's, it's an active power out there that's doing this, powers. Uh, in Revelation 12:10, it says, The accuser of God's children accuses them day and night before God. In the book of Job, we see that accuser, uh, the Satan the one who comes against people. In the book of Zechariah, the, the, the Satan is, is condemning the high priest Joshua. That's what he does. He condemns. And they have these nagging voices in our head. No matter how many people can affirm us, the, the voice keeps telling us, you, know, you're, you don't fit in. Um, you're too depraved to be under God's love. He couldn't love you anymore. Uh, You've done things that are too sinful. You're not acceptable to God. All this shame that we feel like if we really told people who we were and what we did and what we thought about them, that they would reject us. And we think that God would reject us. And this happens because of these different voices in our lives. So a coach says to a child, um, you know, you're a toxic influence on our team. We've all had coaches say things like that to us, or a teacher says, puts a list of all the students' names on a board and says, these are all the mature students, and then your name's not on the board. Have you had a teacher do something stupid like that where they, they accuse you, essentially? They say these things that are so accusatory. My friend was telling me the other night about getting his, uh, his master's thesis, so this doesn't end in elementary school. This guy was getting his master's degree. And his advisor, who he respected so much, told him at the end, you know, one day, you're going to end up working at Target. And you're going to be working there forever. Essentially, you're a loser. And you can't do this. And you don't have it in you to do this. And of course, it just tears down our confidence to hear people say that. And you should just think about right now, what have people said to you? You know, what are those voices that you get in your head where these accusers come and they try to separate you from love and make you feel loveless. And it doesn't have to be individual people. It can be these cultural forces, which I think that's what Paul is calling the principalities and powers, these powerful forces in our culture. The culture of fitness is dominant right now. Um, The food you're supposed to eat, the clothes you're supposed to wear, the body you're supposed to have, that culture of thousands of what vo- millions of voices is condemning you and saying shame on you for not looking a certain way uh... there's the cancel culture that you hear a lot about these days it actually is both on the left and the right and the cancel culture says you better not say that because if you say that then shame on you and you're expelled from the society of love or there's uh kind of on the other side of the spectrum the family's value culture you know the family values culture seems very nice until you get divorced or um, until your wife dies or until you have an affair um, or until you have some kind of alternative family and then all of a sudden you're shamed by the family values culture. Um, There are all these different ways that um, our culture condemns us and they cripple us, they crush our confidence, they corrupt they corrupt the way you see yourself. You get this thing in your head, uh, you've, you have an image in your head of who you are, and it's so often warped. The image you have in your head of who you are is so warped, almost always for the bad. Almost always for the bad. Um, they, they can be really trivial things. There was a kid when I was in uh, middle school on the bus, and every day he would, he would um, accuse me about my fingernails. And he would say, "Your fingernails are always so disgusting and dirty, and long." And um, you know, I still think about that <laughs> from time to time. My fingernails—it bothered me. My my hallmates at uh, at Wake Forest uh, would write things on my board um, about you know what a fool I am that um, I didn't have a girlfriend, that I studied alone uh, on weekends when everybody was out partying. They would write things on my my little whiteboard, I just took the whiteboard off eventually. Um, but, you know, those kind of voices get in there and they make you think a certain way about yourself. Uh, my cousin used to always make fun of me for playing it safe. And he would say, you know, little Benjamin, you're you're so scared. Why are you so scared to take risks? There was a big Benjamin and I was a little Benjamin. And these things, um, they seem trivial, but it's kind of like the bat signal. We just project them onto Ultimate reality, and that becomes who we are. Those voices add up, and that's who we are. That's what we think about ourselves. I have a friend that works for this wonderful mission organization called Life, Life Hope Network in Japan. And in Japan, there is um, an epidemic of suicide, uh, way, way more than, than in America. Um, suicide is incredibly common. And abortion is incredibly common in Japan, both of these things. And so Life Hope Network, among other things they do, is they try to care for women who have unwanted pregnancies. And they do do everything they can, use all their resources to set up adoptions, to have homes to keep them in, to prevent them from shame, everything they can possibly do to, to keep the child alive. But if the woman decides to have an abortion, then they come around her and they love her immediately. And they say, you are not condemned. Do not let these voices accuse you. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God, in spite of anything you've done. And our fears today, verse 38, or our worries about tomorrow? Our, our fears about COVID and how long is going to last? Um, our, our worries about the economy, the, the racial tension, Um, the violence that's going on, the political turmoil right now. I mean, this is still August. What's it going to be like in October? And yet, Paul says, uh, you don't need to fear for America. You don't need to fear for our culture. Um, Even death is not strong enough. Even if you were to die, death is not strong enough to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so that brings us to The second thing, which is that the power of love is stronger than any of those powers of accusation that try to separate you from love. So verse 39, um, no power in the sky above or in the earth below, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Love is the strongest force in the universe. Uh, Scientists would tell you the strongest force in the universe is um, the strong nuclear force. So the strong nuclear force holds together protons which do not want to be near each other at all. They are very highly charged, positive charges that do not want to be near each other and the strong nuclear force binds them. And it's the, in many ways the thing that builds matter. Uh, there would be no matter without the strong nuclear force. One website says it, it is the glue that holds everything together but Paul says in Colossians 1:17 that is it is Christ who holds all things together even stronger than the strong nuclear force one of my favorite bands called Kings X has a song called it's love that holds it all together love is what holds it all together Gandhi said love is the strongest force the world possesses and yet it is the humblest force imaginable and because love is so powerful Paul says, we are more than conquerors. Very famous line, verse 37, we are more than conquerors. So that means we're not just conquerors, but we're more than conquerors. A conqueror defeats his or her opponent. So if you conquer someone, you you beat the other team. But a more than conqueror blows out the other team. That's like what the Rockets did to the Thunder last night, like a 40-point blowout. That's a more than conqueror. And in this case, you're blowing out the cockiest teams in the world. You know, the Patriots, the Yankees, the Lakers, the Tar Heels, the Blue Devils. You know, when Wake Forest uh, plays Duke in basketball or Clemson in football, it's like we're this, you can just see on their players' faces, we're this little tiny, puny nothing. They're expecting to just stomp out. And so when you conquer uh, something that powerful, that's what Paul's talking about here more than conquer of a force much, much more powerful. In verse 37, Paul says, despite all these things, and he's just listed all these things, he says, in spite of all those things, overwhelming victory is ours. Overwhelming victory. Because we have such a powerful defender in Jesus Christ that no matter who attacks us, he's much stronger. No matter what bully attacks us, he is much more loving there's a movie called Wonder, some of y'all have seen Wonder, or you've read the book, I've heard the book is better than the movie, but the movie's really good, so the book would have to be fantastic to be better than the movie. The movie is about a child named Augie, and he has uh, severe facial deformities, and he's terrified of going to school, but his parents decide that he's got to face the world at some point, and so he goes to school, very reluctantly. And he tries to put on like a space helmet and not let anyone see his face. And it's terrifying for him to take off that helmet. And there's this kid at school named Julian, who you just absolutely hate, absolutely hate him. Because Julian is very popular, uh, very wealthy. He dresses nicely. And he does everything he can to torment Augie. You don't know why he hates him so much, but he does. He he just teases him mercilessly. And finally, there's another kid named Jack. And Jack is so sick of all the teasing that in class he decides he's going to be Augie's partner. You know, he kind of takes on the shame of Augie. He's I'm going to be his partner in this project. And so when they leave the the classroom and they're out in the hall, um, Julian comes up to Jack and says, do you really want to be partners with that freak? and Augie's sitting there watching it, and his face just falls. You just see the shame and the lovelessness come over him. And Jack just turns around and just punches Julian in the face and then puts him on the ground and starts pummeling him. And you know, you're not supposed to hit people, kids. You're not supposed to hit people. But that's a beautiful moment in that movie, the, the defense of this person by uh, Jack, who's putting his his reputation on the line to defend Augie. I think about Jesus defending the woman caught in adultery. She wasn't sinless. She wasn't this innocent person. But when all these men were trying to stone her, all these angry, self-righteous Pharisees were picking up stones to stone her, Jesus stood in their way. He was like, this is not going to happen. He's like, whoever among you is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And his defense of her, and his defense of so many people is like Jack's defense of Augie. He defends us from our accusers all the time. And we need to hear that defense in our heads. Verse 34, he, he died for us. And if that's not enough, he was raised to life for us. And if that's not enough, he is sitting right now at the place of honor. This is Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, the place of honor. And if that's not enough, he is pleading for your forgiveness. He is pleading to God, not your innocence. He's not pleading your innocence because we're not innocent. He's saying, I'm pleading my righteousness on their behalf. I want, you to give, I want you to see Ben Milner as you see me, as completely righteous and perfect. Verse 33, God himself has given us right standing with himself. God does that. It's not our record. It's not our resume that that is judged, ultimately. It is Christ's resume on our behalf. And then verse 32. This is Steve Beck's favorite verse. A lot of you don't know who Steve Beck is. But those of you that know Steve Beck, that says a lot, okay? Steve Beck's favorite verse, that should add some weight to what I'm about to read here because this is a very wise man. And he says, Steve doesn't say this, but Paul says this, Verse 32, since, since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? It's, the logic is beautiful. Um, think about the biggest gift you've ever gotten. Um, the, the largest, most shocking gift that anyone has ever given you. And I don't know if this is my biggest gift, ever, but I remember that one of the big gifts someone gave me was a, a brand-new Martin guitar that cost a $1,000. And this person was so generous that he said, I want you to pick out any guitar in this store that you want to buy. And I was like, even this $1,000 Martin? He's like, yes, the very best one. And then, and then I was like, will you buy me this pick also? It's like a 25-cent pick. And he's like, of course I'll buy you the pick. I'm going to buy you a $1,000 guitar. And God's like... I've given you my son and you're saying but my head really hurts you know can you can you help me with my headache um, or you know I, I, I know you've given me my son you've given me your son but I really need an A on this test would you give me that too or even like we're in big financial trouble and I know you've given me your son who is the most precious thing to you but could could you possibly give me like Two thousand dollars—is that? Do you have that? You know, somewhere. Are, are, Are you inclined to me enough positively that you would give me that? I mean, it's absurd that we doubt God's love for us when He's given us everything. So whatever you ask Him, He'd say, "Of course, I would give you that. I've given you the most precious thing that I could ever give you." And that's not to say that when you pray for it, you'll get it, because oftentimes it's not good for us or it's not the right time for us. But I can say to you that he has given you all of himself. He has held nothing back. God holds nothing back from you. I mean, he's given you his son. And by the way, your free will is not one of the things that can separate you from God, just to be clear. Because somebody brought up that objection to me a week ago over breakfast. And she said, well, I know that, you know, all these things can't separate me, but, but can't my free will separate me, like if I decide to not follow God? And, and I said, well, if, if neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor even the powers of hell can separate you, you think your free will is stronger than those powers? You think God can't overcome that? You, know, you, th- you think your free will is the strongest force in the universe? No no God's love is much stronger than your free will and so again verse 39 nothing will separate you from God's love because because God's love came to us in our moment of greatest hatred it quenched all the raging fire like the forest fires in California we were cursing love we were spitting on love we were The disciples were abandoning love. They were denying him. They were torturing love. They were mocking him. Talking about Jesus here. They were humiliating Jesus, who is love himself. They were crucifying love. And if love could overcome that, then it's going to overcome anything. It's like opening up the Hoover Dam and just letting it. Imagine just the Hoover Dam broke open and just all that water flooded over the forest fires of California completely extinguished. And so if love, if love overcame you know, 27 million degree heat, which is the temperature of the core of the sun, then it can certainly overcome uh, 134 degree heat, which is the hottest place on Earth. So if it could overcome all those other things, um, it can overcome even the hardest heart, the most hateful heart. And so uh, we turn to this table Uh, just to prove to our weak and uh, feeble souls that really have a hard time trusting that people love us. uh, God says, even if you struggle to hear that, let me prove it to you with your taste buds. I'm going to give you this meal. And so, but before we take this, just know that um, everyone is welcome, obviously, based on what I just said. He does not explain